Explore Maui, offering a unique land and soul-based experience of Hawaii, focusing on natural wonders, ancestral knowledge, and the spirit of aloha. Enhance your understanding of the islands and its culture through our holistic educational approach. For a deeper dive into Hawaii's inner journey, check out our Hawaii Immersion course. Click the link below to buy the course and immerse yourself in the enchanting world of Hawaii. This comprehensive program will dive into Hawaiian language basics called Olalo Hawaii. History, mythology, and family-centered education content linked to place-based learning. With over 31 lessons available for self-paced learning, you'll also have access to four live weekly sessions aimed at initiating your Hawaiian language journey. Click the link below to start your Hawaii Immersion course. All right, we're talking about archetypes and archetypes specific to Hawaii. Archetypes are patterns, are qualities that have been um, associated with the natural elements in the context of this place. We're going to only go over a few of these archetypes found in Hawaii, the most common ones, Ku, Kane, Hanaloa, and Lono. These are the four major archetypes of Hawaii, and let's dive into each one, the symbolism, as well as the practical things we can take from learning about these personified natural elements and patterns. We're starting off with Ku, and Ku is our first archetype of unconsciousness. So we talk about unconsciousness here as the thing we're not aware of that have structured our society that we continue in these programs and patterns. And Ku covers various forms because there's various roles in society that have been passed down from one generation to another. So it's important to think about unconscious conditioning. It comes from background. We're not necessarily in the forefront of our conscious state. We're not choosing it, but really it's driving us. So that's why it's fitting that Ku has various forms. He has many names. He comes in the name and he um, goes throughout society as the warring Ku, the husband and fishery Ku, the forest and rain Ku, the sorcery Ku, all with multitude of names. Because every step of conscious progression, Ku um, shows up within what's needed for society. When we think of Ku, it's showing up for what the society needs. For example, Kamehameha, his ku, his deity was ku ka'ilimoku. It was the ku of warring and um, snatching the islands. Therefore, his energy, his mana was geared towards his societal, his calling um, need for this unification of the island. So ku here represents the masculine. It also represents this unconscious state of fulfilling the roles which is needed within society. Is ku. Ku is associated with the war, the conflict, the male energy, the masculine. Ku represents the strength, determination, and the power to protect and to defend. So here we see ku as our first archetype, the god of war. It's really talking about the maintaining of order. So the maintaining of order here is the symbolism of the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind is associated with memory, it's associated with accumulation of past experience. The archetype of Ku really is the automatic pilot everyday programming we have that we are at war with. So this programming is to come out of familiar triggers and patterns. So Ku reminds us that the self, the subconscious self still exists and we need to exercise significant influence over it with this ku energy, this energy of balance and harmony. Really, it's 
overcoming past conditioning, past societal norms, and coming into the thing we move towards is the mind of empowerment. So Ku is the mind of empowerment versus protective personalities. It's really the spirit of self-regulation. In order to, before battle, warriors would regulate their bodies through breathing, through exercise, through chant, through hula, to be able to go into the war with a clear mind and uh a strategic heart. So Ku really aligns and balances and regulates our body. So Ku is an essence of regulating um, not only these mental battles that war within our mind and our concepts, but manif um, but really manifests within our physical form. And the manifestation of that physical form really is an essence to regulate our bodies to do what we need to do to get out of disempowerment, to get out of unconscious subconscious mind and really into the conscious self and ku really gears us up for the next couple archetypes that we're going to be learning about here in hawaii and here our second archetype back to kane kane is the higher self and the higher self is the one that pulls himself out of the realm of darkness out of the realm of po and creates light out kane in his famous chant kane hoalani e he places the star in the sky, the one that leads us into the higher self. So the higher self represents many things here. Um, first of all, he pulls himself out of the primordial chaos, out of the subconsciousness of life, and he actually enters into enlightenment. He is the one who places the sun in the sky, the one that brings light out of the realm of Po. He also is the one where Lono and Ku follow. So following the subconscious self and Lono being the conscious self, the Higher self is what uh, Ku and Lono follow, and they create man. So in that sense, as Kane pulls himself out of the realm of Po, out of the dark grid into the light grid, of course, Ku and Lono follow him. Ku representing the subconscious self, Lono representing the conscious self. Ku and Lono follow Kane, and those three in a story uh, create the first man. So out of these three gods, these three deities, these three archetypes form the first human consciousness out of the primordial past. So as Kane, the higher self, uh, Ku and Lono follow in the steps of Kane, pulling themselves out of the dark grid into the light grid. They create the lesser deities. They also create Menehunes. And the Menehunes here serve as messengers to the Kanaka, to the human realm. So the Menehunes also are provided for by Kane, Ku and Lono as a sense of the subconscious self, the um, higher self, and the conscious self coming and merging into one to create the layout for Hawaii. So as you can see here, Kane represents life, the dawn, the sun, the sky. He creates the world in which is the foundation, the kahua for deities, for, for kanaka, for humans, and for menehunes, the messengers, to come into this um connective cosmic consciousness, as the words of Carl Jung puts it. So here, the Kumuhonua legend really is about Kane, the higher self, leading, pulling himself out of the dark grid. Um, as the lesser deities follow, they create um, life and they fill in the void. They fill in the cosmos with messengers and with deities and also with humans entering into the scene. Kane is the archetype of creation, procreation of life. He's considered to be uh, the creator of mankind in some mytho stories. And also he's 
the god of fertility and agriculture, also of this natural world. So he represents growth, abundance, and the continuation of life. So we're talking about Kane here. We just talked about Ku, which would be the unconscious self. And here we're going into Kane, and Kane represents the high self. The high self really is one that's associated with um, uh, inspiration. It's associated with guidance, and it has those kind of nuances to it with wisdom, with divine guidance, the spiritual realm. So the higher self here, really Kane, the embodiment of man, represents the higher self in the sense that it is the um, mirror image of the high self. So as above, so below. Kane here is considered to be the source of inspiration, also intuition, and deeper understanding of life's purposes, saying that he's the god of fertility as well as of um, abundance and growth, this is the idea here that when we channel in our higher self, it brings in growth and inspiration and channels us and gives us insight for direction to navigate life's challenges. So here Kane, one of the second archetypes we're talking about in Hawaii, really is about the as above, so below. That as the heavens um, flourish and are abundant and constantly creating, we mirror and mirror we mirror that here within the Aina and these kind of land-based ideas. Here we have Kane, the higher self, being able to connect us to those kind of archetypical ideas coming and shooting off of Ku, as well as Ku being the unconscious self and having to become aware of our body, turning on our body so that we can turn on our higher self. To be engaged in the etherical realm, we have to be grounded in the material. Now we have Kanaloa, and Kanaloa represents the subconscious self. So the subconscious self is just the collective memories of the whole. This has a lot to do with genealogy. This would be in the realm of the Kumulipo, which the Kumulipo has a natural progression in which all of our human stored memories hold within these kind of um, primordial stories, these cosmic stories, which lead us leads us eventually to the cosmic consciousness. But before we get there, we're talking about Kanaloa, and Kanaloa here represents this unconscious state starting from the primordial past and starting to have differentiation. This is different from the unconscious self, which is in the realm of Ku. And Ku here is the idea, remember, of survival. He's stuck within societal programs and he's unconscious about his roles within society. He provides for what is needed at the time for survival. So going past survival through Kane, reaching the higher self, when we are enlightened by placing the sun in the sky, which brings a lot of creation and life and biodiversity, it becomes more solidified and dives back into the subconscious self. So here, it's like a zip file. The stored memories of our collective human consciousness are within the subconscious idea of Kanaloa. That's why Kanaloa represents, he's the deity of the ocean. The ocean here is the un conscious, subconscious substrate in which our memories, which our traditions, which our heritage are fully engulfed in. And we get to see this unpack and play out within the Kumulipo mythology. We cover a whole section on the Kumulipo, but in summary, the Kumulipo starts off with the realm of Po. So Po is the realm and represents the existence where there's non-distinction. So from non-distinction, it goes into the realm of Ao. Ao here represents the differentiation of the collective whole, the glop, into uh, differentiation, into the physical reality. So the difference between Po and Ao here, we're seeing things go from unclear 
to clear, from dark grid to light grid, from dark to night. And this also has a lot to do for the unconscious self to the conscious self. So there's going to be a switch within the Kumulipo that we see within its progression. Following the realm of Po and Al, time, space, and matter being um, instilled within the Kumulipo chant, we have the Makali'i. And this of all, the Makali'i here is the little eyes. So this represents the celestials being hung in the heavens. So these are the eyes of the heavens. So this section really represents spiritual and divine aspects of the world. Here, when we see Kanaloa, that's part of the inheritance, going out of the dark into the light, and now Makali'i, little eyes. After the Makali'i is introduced within the Kumulipo, so the Makali'i here being the little eyes, the introduction of celestial bodies and the genealogy of the cosmos, we have the Manaya Kalani, and that brings the embodiment into these celestial beings. So here now we have a spiritual hierarchy that is happening within the Kumulipo from Po to Al to um, the celestials of Makali'i to now Manaya Kalani which represents discovering uh, universal laws that we're going to find woven within the Kumulipo. Moving down within the vase or the epochs within the Kumulipo of our uh, collective subconsciousness of Kanaloa is the va'a. And the va'a here is the canoe, which represents um, ocean. It represents moving and navigating throughout the waters. And here in the waters includes all life, all marine life, and here they're matching up as above, so below. So as the celestial is being set up in the sky, as below the big Kanaloa, the ocean, the depths of the sea is being um, mimicked as well. So it's a mirror image here that's happening as we and the Va'a are navigating through the Kumulipo story. After the epoch of the Va'a, we have the eel and the eel is the Hawaiian hawk. The Hawaiian hawk here represents all flying things, mobility, and the spread of life. So now we have the grid, the dark light grid. We also have the sea filling up. And now we have the air represented by eel, the Hawaiian hawk. If you're kind of getting the rhythm so far, Kanaloa here is representing the subconscious collective. Really here, the evolution of natural selection and coming into our design we have a huge history and heritage of this cosmic consciousness starting from time, space, and energy itself, filling up through the void, entering through creation as the different elements come together to create biological life forms. And through these biological life forms, we see the celestials radiating that type of energy in the va'a connecting and navigating and spreading life throughout all of Hawaii. And Hawaii here could be as a metaphor because it talks about in a few epochs later the kuku o kahiki. And kuku o kahiki is just the foundation of the terrestrial realm. So Kanaloa is the inheritance of the terrestrial realm. It's within our subconscious. It's there for access. And we think about it this way through the realm of the Almakua. So the buildup within the Kumulipo within our subconscious grid is the Almakua, which represents the various multitudes of these energies resounding, vibrating, and resonating within all of creation. And it's there to our subconscious mind as we continue to pray and meditate and um, commune with Aina, we learn the different um, signatures found within creation. When we think about Kanaloa as an archetype, he covers a lot. All of our subconscious human heritage and history, even going back to the primordial past. So 
Kanaloa here represents is best represented by a lot of dreams and symbols and imagery, which we have whole module on symbols. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, Kanaloa is also represented as the ocean, therefore the unconscious self, uh, deeper layers of understanding unravel. Uh, new information is added to the content, which gives us better understanding. Kanaloa is seen as complementary force to Kane also because it represents the depth of the sea and the mysteries of the underworld. Therefore, Kanaloa is the shape shifter according to what the content is. It's flexible, it's the element of water, and it's associated with healing and medicine. Of course, Kanaloa is associated with healing and medicine because we all know that water is life. And when we look at the seawater, it's filled and charged with ions from the sun that gives our body that enriched energy we need. Kanaloa is the archetype of the ocean, it's the archetype of the unconscious self going into deeper layers. It's also partnered with Kane, as we mentioned, Kane being the higher self with the man and the Kanaka in the middle. So looking at the Kane-Kanaloa relationship, it really points to man's progression of consciousness on land and on sea, in the mountains and in the valley. Of course, which the mountains and valley, the energy of the life force, the vai, the water, flows into the ocean where it becomes unconscious again for Kanaka to dive in and to gather resources of what he needs to prepare for his, um, for his village, for his, uh, the content in which he's placed or the context in which he is placed to provide for society. Therefore, Kane and Kanaloa are societal players because they are the source of water. And our fourth Hawaii archetype is Lono. Lono is known as the god of peace and agriculture. Uh, peace and agriculture go along that when things are in ease, not dis-ease, there's flourishing, there's fertility. Uh, Lono represents this age of peace and um, agriculture. During his season, it's a little more rainy versus the coup season where it's more warring. That's why Lono is associated with also fertility because when you are regulated, when you are not fight, fighting or freezing, you are in fertility. It's time to create, to imagine. He's linked to the rain. He's uh, linked also to the growth of crops. Therefore, when we think about Lono, we're thinking about things that need to be nurtured and to grow. This makes him essential for agriculture. So the archetype of Lono really is one of peace and prosperity. Looking to the archetype of Lono really helps us to imagine and to recreate things. That's why this recreating and reimagining, Lono is also associated with ceremony and ritual. Ceremony and ritual are like the rite of passage from man to kahuna, one who keeps the esoteric knowledge or the sorcerer, the kahuna, the priest. This usually happens during Makahiki season, so he's usually familiar. He's usually associated with the Makahiki season. Lono is also, um, we talked about the different um, variations of consciousness. Lono is the conscious self versus the subconscious. We talked about Ku. We talked about the higher conscious, which would be Kana, um, um, Ku. Then we had um, Kane. And then after that, we had Kanaloa, which is the unconscious self. And now the progression really is about the conscious self. So the conscious self, we talked about it. It's the imagining. It's the dreaming. It's that spiritual realm where now you can engage your decision making. So really, Lono is about engaging 
through ritual, through ceremony, through memories. It's really bridging the archetypes, the ku, the akane, the kanaloa, those three progression into the lono. That's why lono um, throughout history has been the one that's most recognized within the coming of Captain Cook. Native Hawaiians during that season and interpretation was that was Lono. That was the embodiment of Lono, the higher self coming into the physical world. And um, that's part of the prophetic word there that the word becomes flesh. So Lono really helps one to recognize the imagination, to shape reality, to shape desires and to shape intentions. So this influences our directions and our actions. Lono is, again, the one about fertility, about passion, and about um, peace and about ritual. When we think about Lono, he bridges all of the archetypes and his progression is the bringing in the new paradigm, the emergent now, the eternal present. As we wrap up our journey through Explore Maui, we hope you've experienced the true essence of Ohana and the island's spirit. This podcast has offered a unique perspective on Maui focusing on both its natural wonders and timeless wisdom of aloha. Whether you're a homeschool family seeking real-world experience, a visitor looking to enrich your trip, or a longtime resident seeking fresh inspiration, Explore Maui has your go-to resource. Before we part ways, we have exciting news. Are you eager to dive deeper into the heart of Hawaii? Our upcoming Hawaii Immersion online course and webinars offer a unique opportunity to explore the profound depths of the Pacific Gem. Click the link below to discover about Hawaii's language, culture, and cosmic traditions as you've never seen them before.